Hello and welcome to the Weekly Four podcast, live from my car. Hola, Dondas. Weekly Four podcast in uh, Steven Mitzner and Josef Levenstein. Wow, you spent so much time in Mexico this week that you're uh, confluent. <sighs> you know, I'm just that brilliant. Uh, why don't you inform our listeners where exactly in Mexico you were? Guadalajara! Uh, known for its mm, delicious mezcal. I was going to say back office for the United States. Oh, well, that and apparently um, narcos and bad traffic and delicious food. But um, overall, it was a good trip. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed. I'm glad uh, I made well, it back. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> There are four people at a minimum who are counting on you to make it back home, so I'm sure at a minimum they are all very happy to see you. And Doug. Oh, God, Doug. Well, some of them are happy to see me. Some of them are probably mixed emotions about the whole thing. They would have preferred you to stay in Mexico longer? No, probably not. Uh, so we will get started because uh, we got a lot to cover in so little time. Because um, I have basically until I pick up my father-in-law from the airport. So. Um. All right. Well. All right. Then we can always, I guess, do a part two if necessary. So. Or. We don't, we don't want our listeners to ever get cheated on time. Can you say guest in-law? Uh. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll see. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I think if he's the general manager of the Pearl family, it seems like a natural transition into talking about the general manager of the Astros. Wow. Um, God, that is a weak transition. But sure. Um, I'm actually passing the Astros Stadium right now on my drive. That's the transition, actually. Passing by Minute Maid Park. Um, I got a beautiful picture of Minute Maid Park on my drive back from uh, Bush today because it was like sunset and... Uh, is very nice, although there's like some property around it that was sort of ruined the picture, but that's a separate story. Well, the sun hopefully isn't setting on the Astros dynasty. Um, Ooh. Uh, hiring a new general manager. He was formerly the uh, head of scouting for the Atlanta Braves and is the first black general manager in the majors again. Uh, there are currently were zero, and he's the first. He also played college baseball at Seton Hall with the one and only Craig Biggio. And uh, lots of experience, kind of really restocked the Angels farm system. A lot of their new young prospects were all under his watch. Um, and seems like a really good direction for the Astros to go, and people are really praising the hire. And uh, finally, uh, we have somebody kind of leading that ship uh, moving forward for the 23 season. Where is he coming from? He was the director of vice president of scouting for the Atlanta Braves, who have, again, beat the Astros in the World Series two years ago and have a bevy of young prospects and players um, that he drafted and that have been very successful. So um, young players are also key in an organization because, again, when teams start aging out, the best way to get stay good and remain good is by hitting on your draft picks. And unlike in other sports where you need a high draft pick in baseball, um, you'll find amazing players third round, fourth round, 11th round. Um, so it's really um, a great scout. Scouting department can go a long way to keeping your team competitive. Hmm. Interesting. So, like, 
Well, one second. Let me just remember this. So the Astros... No, the Astros are in... So it's no. I was thinking about the Rockets and the Texans. So they already have a good team. But you're saying like oh, for it Astros, to stay... I mean, we're, we're the defending World Series champions. So for them to stay relevant, though, it's important to have like younger crews that can be right. developed. And we lost Justin Verlander, our ace pitcher, who won the Cy Young last year, signed with the Mets. And the team constantly... And they've realized this. You constantly have to evolve and change and try to... Uh, find new players, people age out, they take big contracts elsewhere. Um, so you got to constantly try to stay relevant. So with the young core. Yeah, interesting. All right, well, that's good news. But one second. And then who, what happened to the previous general manager? Um, we only offered him a one-year contract and he kind of, after winning the World Series, and he kind of saw that as a slap in the face. And apparently he didn't get along great with... Uh, with the Astros owner, so uh, yeah, that. So, it was the first general manager to get let go following a World Series win in like seventy-five years. Why was that? Because he only got offered a one-year deal and didn't get along great with the owner, etc., etc., etc. Hmm. Humans. Exactly. Um. Moving on to our next topic, because um, uh, NFL uh, Championship Sunday uh, in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs will be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals at home. That's the late game. Um, and then the early game will be the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think it'll be an eagles Bengals Super Bowl. These are my predictions. You heard it here first. Eagle ba- Eagles Bengals Super Bowl with the Bengals winning it all. So um, I do reserve the right that after Sunday to change my Super Bowl pick if those two teams are not in the Super Bowl. So. Well, okay. So you're not just saying Bengals win it, but only if they play. No, I I think those are the two teams that are going to win this week, and then I think the Bengals then beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Got it. Okay. And if you bet a hundred bucks on that outcome. I think like you get like three fifty if you win. So let me know if anybody bets it and how much they end up winning. If you uh, go with my bet of who are the next three winners of these games are. So, but yeah. So game is in Philly, San Francisco, Philly. I think that's kind of why Philly pulls it out. They've got a really good young quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I think the 49ers have a rookie quarterback, arguably playing in Philly, which is one of the most notorious difficult places. Like. Literally, at the Giants Hotel the night before the game, Phillies fans, I think, pulled the fire alarm in the hotel at, like, 3 in the morning. So, like, no wake way. up the entire Giants team. Yeah, I mean, like, if Philly, w- if the Niners were smart, they would, like, stay in, like, Manhattan and then drive the Sunday morning from New York from New York to Philly um, uh, so they get good night's sleep. So I don't think they're going to do that, but that's what they should do. That's really uh, crazy. Is there a yeah. big rivalry between the Giants and the Eagles? Uh, yes, there's a huge rivalry, but anytime anybody plays the Eagles in the playoffs, like Philly fans are nuts, insane, passionate. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to look that. at crazy things, look at Philly fans celebrating World Series and Super Bowl victories. You will find some truly horrifying stuff um, online. So assuming they haven't pulled it all down. My assumption is that it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's essentially documentary level accurate about how people behave in Philadelphia. 
Um, so, yeah, those are the games. I think the 49er Philly game is first, and then the uh, Cincinnati-Kansas City game is afterwards. So, um, should be a fun Sunday. Highly recommend to our listeners to block out your Sunday afternoon, tell your family to do something without you, um, and watch the games. I know that's what I'm not going to be able to do. Why can't you? I mean, my in-laws are here, so you'd think that, right? But no, I think they're going to want to do, like, family time. Uh, poor you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Spend time with your family instead of watching And in-laws, and in-laws. Yeah, well, that's fair. That is fair. Um, Moving on to the next topic. Um, Mr. Levenstein, uh, it has been three years since the helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant, uh, uh, his daughter, and about, I think it was like six others, um, a really sad day in sports and just overall, um, whenever, it was like four or five like young kids who died in that crash. Um, I remember I was in New Jersey and actually then flew to LA for a conference literally the next morning. And the conference was in LA Live right by outside the Staples Center. There was like a giant shrine outside. I think we might have talked about this before on the podcast, but if you haven't listened in a year, maybe not. Um, and uh, you may not remember it, but it was it was really something to see. I mean, Kobe was beloved in Los Angeles. Spent his entire year career with LA. Uh, one of the ten greatest NBA players of all time, um, and just really sad. He just come off winning an Oscar. Um, just a really sad course of events. Yeah, it, it was just one of those things because it, it, if I remember correctly, it also could have been avoided, right? Like, or they're sort of like yeah, the pilot was, um, shouldn't have flown or something. Yeah, there was, I think, yeah, it was okay and it didn't have the right equipment. So, yeah, just a lot of not good stuff. So upsetting. Yeah, it was really sad. Um, so that, that was kind of my recollections, but I can't believe it's already been three years. It's really nuts. And I think, uh, we have a friend that actually named his kid Kobe, um, because his kid was, son was born like either right before or right afterwards. So uh, really, yeah, I'm not going to name the friend, but yeah, you should speak to him about that. It's a mutual friend of ours and you'll be seeing him this weekend. So. Yeah, that's wild. I did not realize that's the reason why. Man, that friend of ours is quite the dedicated sports fan. Yeah. And I bet uh, you he's such a good sports fan that he would know who Bob Uecker is. Bob Uecker. Uecker. So you may even know who Bob Uecker is. Mr. Levenstein, have you seen Major League? Charlie Sheen? Correct. I saw it but a long time ago. It's worth a rewatch. It's the Cleveland Indians. So Bob Uecker was a very below-average uh, catcher in the majors, but became a broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers. But in Major League is where he got his fame as the announcer that uh, was drinking during the games because the Indians were so bad. Uh, remember, uh, he said that just a bit outside. Um, it was kind of the famous line. So happy 89th birthday they literally lovingly nicknamed him mr baseball bob Uecker. interesting it's worth a rewatch major league um and even the second one was pretty good as well 
but great comedies, even if you're not really a sports fan. Um, um, well worth a rewatch if you do not remember them. It's funny because uh, pass I do... on the third one. Yeah, that's generally a good move. Um, except Lord of the Rings. Um, the and I guess Harry Potter. The uh, at that period of time, Charlie Sheen, he was doing Major League and Hot Shots. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was uh, one of the peaks of his career. I was going to say, it's like um, his actually, golden years. I, it was like a second, like toward the second half of the year, because I think Major League was like 92 or 93. And he would really, Wolf, I mean, not Wolf, Wall Street in 87 was kind of the beginning of his peak in movies. So his yeah, real but... run was from like 87 to like the mid 90s. And then, and then obviously then found fame on television with Two and a Half Men. So I would say that Wall Street... I guess, you know, that was the movie that really started his career. But he was in it with Martin Sheen and um, what's his name? Kirk Douglas, Douglas. like Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, I think he was also uh, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off in 86, where he played Jenny, uh, the boy Jenny meets in the police station. I think that was like his uh, first uh, one. Wait, isn't he also an Uncle Buck? That I've, also I've, I, I've he plays seen... a scumbag in all of those. <laughs> no, he 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 actually isn't a scumbag in like he convinces her not to hate her brother um, in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've, yeah, I've seen he's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off way more than Uncle Buck. Oh, it's funny because well, Ferris Bueller. Actually, I would say both of those were in the same ranking in my family. Ferris Bueller and Uncle Buck were up in our like. What should we watch? Let's watch one of those. Uh, yeah, so happy birthday to Bob Euchre. And uh, moving on to history. Okay, Mr. Levenstein. 160 years ago, Admiral Burnside was relieved by... Uh, not Admiral. General Burnside was relieved by uh, General Hooker. Um What what is Burnside still known for, and why is his name still famous? Mm. I have no idea. Um, He had very long sideburns, and Burnside backwards is sideburns. So literally, that's how people with really long side, the name Sideburns comes from him. Literally? Yeah. I'm making it up. Although so that's before that, wife's tale. before that, what were they before called? Before that, I don't know, people just had long hair down the sides of their face. But his are like, Google a picture of him. It's like, those are like, I mean, there's a reason why they got him his name. He had some really insane sideburns. Hmm. And this was, let's say, 160 years ago. Civil War general. Huh. And again, Civil War generals, if you think about it, it was the advent of the newspaper, um, was not that much earlier um, around the country. And his picture was probably all over the news. Um, Again, it's actually more of pictures. Newspapers were around, obviously, a lot longer. But pictures being done, photographs just started around the 1830s, 1820s. So... um, so literally, he became his picture became widely 
publicized and uh yeah interesting and he was so burnside was relieved by a hooker uh by by i guess you could put it that way um but yeah he was uh i think he led the potomac um forces and he was relieved for not doing a great job since 1863 uh it's there's still another two years left um over two years left in the civil war so uh obviously uh lincoln was not happy with uh his performance Hmm. um it's also today marks 130 years since the death of abner doubleday who was also a general um, but interestingly enough, is credited with like founding baseball. But apparently, that is an old wives' tale. They just didn't have anybody like who they could like pinpoint the rules like of the game back to. So somehow, Abner Doubleday, who was a general, uh, people like just kind of like like put his name on there, kind of like uh, just to kind of be like, I guess in history is to be. Oh yeah, it was started by Double Abner Doubleday. So. I, um, there are definitely a lot of different things written as to who actually started baseball. I haven't read up on it in a while, so I kind of forgot uh, who some of those names were. But for a very long time, Abner Doubleday was literally the person who was rightly regarded as founding modern-day baseball. Huh. Well, it wouldn't have been worth much if there wasn't some way for everyone in America to watch that baseball on. Correct. And that brings us up to our next topic. Um, it is uh, how many years, Mr. Levenstein? 97. 97 years since the first demonstration of television. Um, if you think about it, it, TV really didn't kind of take off in a major way until after World War II in kind of late 40s, early 50s. But already in 27 um, was obviously the first demonstration um, and t- or 26. Uh, as the case would be. And what's interesting is there's an episode of Boardwalk Empire, one of the last ones where Nucky Thompson um, goes into a booth to see kind of what television would be and kind of like looking forward at the future. And I think that takes place in the Prohibition in like 33, um, I think was that episode. So that also came to my mind that it was just such a nascent thing. Um, that people literally had no idea how ubiquitous it would literally become less than 100 years later. I wonder, actually, no, I don't even wonder. I guess the demonstration, I mean, you know, it's, it's actually funny. I find it more, all right, in the case of the television, I find it more logical that you could pump, like, stream content and media to television through a cable than over air. Well, they started it with cathode ray tubes. But they were broadcasting to the television over the air from the beginning. Uh, I I don't know how the really, really early TVs worked, but... But By the way, I equate that to records. Like, I understand how a laser beam can read data off of a compact disc, and I understand how we can have, like, data and all this stuff, but, like, how you can run a needle over a piece of vinyl and it creates sound, I don't understand. I, I get it. It's a vibration and there's all this stuff, but, like, to me, that seems, that's much harder to comprehend than the digital technology. Um. And I was getting a call from my father-in-law. So we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
And we're go ahead. I said, and we're back. There we go. And your car. You're fil- now you're perf- uh, filming from your car, uh, even though we're recording, not really filming. And I am sitting in an office, so that goes well for our audio quality. I hope our listeners enjoy the variance levels of provided on this podcast in particular. <laughs> Professional audio is our middle name. Um, finished off about kind of the 97 years ago, about the first kind of, or 96 years ago, uh, display of TV. And that moves on to our next topic in politics, how it's actually also the 25th anniversary yep, of Bill Clinton, the current sitting president of the United States at the time, going on national television and describing uh, in detail his denial of sexual relationship, uh, sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. Um, it's a moment in politics that hasn't happened since. Um, where a sitting president has had to do that, um, and the entire scandals that that brought on, um, kind of sex scandals, way more common in British um, uh, government, but this really was the kind of first really national sex scandal in the United States of a president of the United States. I remember it well. Um, It's very interesting because... You can make a strong argument that he was not only lying to the American people, but then lying under oath and purging himself and was the first president since Andrew Johnson to have um, gotten. Um, oh, why am I blanking on the word? Impeached. Impeached. Thank you. Um, uh, Trump would then get impeached also. Um, uh, it has now gotten more common. Even though it hadn't happened like a hundred and some odd years before that, now it's happened twice in like twenty years. Um, so um, uh, here we are. So I was just curious: did you watch it live, or was it just constantly playing on Israeli news back in '98? My guess is it was just on the news. Um, I doubt I would have watched that live. Like a lot of the events that were live events in the U.S. at that time, if you think about the time difference, was either like middle of the night in Israel or, you know, not exactly a time where I'd be sitting watching the news because back in that time, the only news was at 8 p.m. Um, and so, so probably watched it, some of it on the 8 p.m. news um, as it was sort of progressing. Um, and then a lot probably also just from like, you know, different tidbits and comedy sketches and all the other fun things that have followed since. Yeah, um, Saturday Night Live was kind of in its prime heyday dealing with that. Um, it's second prime, basically. Um, so it's there was no shortage of comedy um, being made about that. Yeah, C- cigars never were the same. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, we're not going to go into any more than that. Uh, people can research it themselves if they want more information um, or if they want Joe to be honking at them. So um, This truck just literally crossed a solid line on an exit, boxing me in, and then he wasn't like, whatever. 
that was unfortunate choice of uh, driving on his part. Um, so yeah, he was literally coming into us and uh, across a solid white line. Uh, yeah, anyways, but cigars were never the same. And um, the other thing is, is like, I guess, the, 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 okay, so one is, were presidents always totally loyal in their marriages beforehand? No, JFK clearly wasn't. The media even knew about it, but it was just a different time. They they wanted the media back then was uh, um, way more kind of in terms of worrying about how to portray the president versus the 90s and really nowadays where they really take pride in um, criticizing the president and following up on anything that could be viewed as illicit, illicit or bad. It was just a yeah. different time because, yeah, the media all knew and it was um, I, I don't know how much the American public knew about Kennedy's extramarital affairs. You'd, we'd probably need to bring somebody in who's about 85 or 90 years old um, on, on our podcast to talk about that. Um, but um, but the media definitely was clued in on it and kind of helped cover it up. Oh, that's interesting. Well, and, and so that sort of ties. So that's really interesting. So that the other two things I was going to touch on, which is the media cycle and the media behavior was different. I didn't know it was to that extent that they actually, and, and that ties into this other point, which was respecting the, the the seat of the president and sort of not necessarily the person, but more the seat. But you're saying that it was known by the media, but they kept it quiet because they didn't want to disrespect the president's seat. Yeah, and it was also during the Cold War. The last thing you want is to look weak compared to Russia and the USSR. Remember, it was a different time in American politics versus the 90s after the Cold War fell. America was truly the only great power. The ability to criticize, I feel like, was a lot um, was a lot easier to do um, than it was back then in fear of how could we look weak against the Russians if this comes out. Our, our president would look weak. So they like, think about the Cuban Missile Crisis going on at the time. It was that and also just the American sense of about again when kennedy was president it was kind of before the free love era and all that stuff you still kind of had a very much a 1950s america if you think about what decades are like they really don't start till about three to four years in um so it was really a more of a don't ask don't tell nobody else's business what kennedy does in his personal life interesting and then i think also so the media was definitely a different beast back then, right? Like journalism also in itself. I mean, you can't even compare what it is today versus what it was back then. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, certainly respect for the presidency. So that's interesting. But in terms of the actual uh, Clinton event, um, it was, I think, ex- I mean, and, and sort of leaning into that, like, was extremely embarrassing and it did take away i think you know from both america but also how could you take someone seriously after that in terms of like anything they would talk about related to you know honesty or ethics when like he was both dishonest and unethical if you considered being unloyal to your wife as unethical yeah um, and in a Christian country like America, and adultery being one of the Ten Commandments, um, 
that definitely in a very much more religious country than today was a huge deal. If you think about what's happened with religion, not necessarily with ethics. I don't think ethics has definitely changed, but definitely people were more religious 25 years ago versus today. On the whole, in, on the whole, in American society, I'm, uh, I'm sure if you compare the numbers, that would prove out. Yeah, and then also like for him, I mean, I would just say like I get it, like people are human and make mistakes, and that's fine, but or not fine or is fine, whatever. But when you're in the presidency for those eight years, like to some degree, you don't get that. I, at least I, I don't. I don't think you get that sort of leeway. Like, you have to hold yourself not just to a higher standard, but to the highest standard. And what he did was not that. Even higher than Hebrew National hot dogs. I'd say so. Yeah. Oh, which, by the way, should be kosher, but that's a whole other thing. I just heard on my Rakefit class, but there literally would have been ah, whatever. They should be kosher. They are kosher. They should be kosher. And they're not kosher because of politics, but that's a conversation. For it seems a like podcast. you're having an internal debate between yourself on whether or not they're kosher. So that was fun to listen to. Sure. But they don't have kosher certification. So they're not kosher. And that is what determines it in this day and age. So there you go. Um, Correct. Who will run against Trump and when? So speaking of presidents, Donald Trump still here we are end of January of 2023. Um, probably, I think, a less than a year from the Iowa caucuses um, in 2024. Didn't uh, they say they're moving to the Iowa caucus? Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I th- I think Democrats are. I don't know about the Republicans. Uh, the first one is, hold on. Uh, I'm looking right now. Um, I'm looking right now at the primaries. Yeah, I mean the the big ones are in March, but still, we're we're about a year away from all this starting. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. A lot of people are waiting on decisions. Nikki Haley, DeSantis, Pompeo. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see who ends up running. I have such mixed feelings about that. Mixed feelings about? Well, I, you know, I, I really like Nikki Haley, but um, strategically, I'm not sure if this is the right time for her to get that nomination. Um, apparently, the Montana Secretary of State, Corey Stapleton, also has declared for president. Uh, I don't think he's been covered once. Um yeah. So Pompeo, DeSantis, Trump, Haley, and some guy from Montana. You see, Asa Hutchinson is another one, but no, nobody's even talked about Corey Stapleton. He actually declared, um, um, and apparently John Bolton says he's intending to run, but Who's he John has lost He was the national security advisor. Okay, the guy with the For famous Trump? mustache and glasses. Yeah. Uh, I remember him. So it'll be interesting to see. But so far, nobody else has declared. Um, again, no other major person has declared. I don't want to offend Corey Stapleton if he's listening right now um, to our podcast. It'd be amazing where he found it, but that's also for a different time. Um, and um, 
so the question is, when will people leave? Because again, you're going to have a lot of fundraising to do in a limited amount of time going up against the former president of the United States. Um, so it, it will be quite, quite interesting to see who actually declares. Do you have any predictions? Uh, I mean, I feel like she may do it anyways, but yeah, like DeSantis, Haley, Trump, um, I think, yeah, those are the ones, I don't know, those are the obvious ones I know, but like, you know, I think those are the, those are going to be the big contenders, and then, yeah, everyone's going to be going up against Trump, and hopefully, hopefully he has the, well, anyways, yeah, they're all going to go up against Trump, and we'll see what happens. What about you? Um, I think Nikki Haley does not run. I think DeSantis ultimately does. I think Pence does. Uh, maybe Pompeo also. I think you'll have only four or five people. Why don't you think Haley will? Because uh, I don't think it politically makes a lot of sense for her. I agree, but like, there's going to be pressure put on her to do it. So the question is if there's, she stands up. There's a pressure. I mean... Not really. I mean, there are people who will tell her she should, but that doesn't mean there's real pressure. There's not really pressure on anyone. Uh, the only one who's definitely good with nothing to lose is Mike Pence. Because, I mean, him and Trump had such a huge falling out that there's no downside um, to them running against each other. Um, that I mean, it, it's going to be insane. Um, and uh, the news numbers, I guarantee you, will go up. Ratings will go up as a result, so um, expect to see uh, expect to see it happening soon. Yeah. Um, and happy fiftieth birthday! Speaking of insanity, to fifty eighth birthday to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he is now the Speaker of the House after fifteen tries on the ballot, and it will be interesting to see what he does on how he tries to govern the, with the fact that he had to make so many concessions just in order to become Speaker of the House. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, what the Republicans can try to get through. Again, with a Democratic Senate, a lot of stuff's not going to pass anyway, but it's agenda-setting. Um, um, so that's, that's what's going on. Happy birthday. Seriously crazy, um, by the way. It's not anything other than how divided, like, the country is. Like, that is, like, the ultimate demonstration of divisiveness and and refusal to reach across the aisle for the greater good. And that's the thing that scares me the most about this current environment. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what's going on in politics. The Ronna McDaniel just won her... F- race to be the RNC chair for a fourth time, so that's great. Uh, great news to be the chair of the RNC. So that happened literally today. Uh, now we're, we're, we're this podcast on Friday, so just uh, in case people are like, how did you guys know that? A uh, day early. Um, so just wanted to let people know. First half was filmed Thursday, recorded Thursday night, second half today. So I was going to uh, throw about Israeli politics as well, but because we're on Friday, there's been a terrorist attack in Jerusalem today, which sort of makes me not really feel like talking about politics in Israel when seven people, at least last time I saw, were murdered walking back from synagogue on Friday night in Jerusalem. Oh, so, oh my God, I just saw that now. 
Uh, I wow, I'm I literally just saw that now. You think that this is in retaliation for the um, what happened was literally yesterday, right? Where they went into um, where did they go Janine. into Janine, right? Yeah, Janine. Um, probably. I mean, if it shows at the very least from a political and yeah, what it shows from a political perspective is like. You know, there used to be like this concern about like lone wolf terrorists, but it doesn't exist. It's all very coordinated, it's all very organized and controlled. The fact that something like this can happen the day after Janine happened uh, um, just shows you, you know, what level of control the Arabs have within their territories on terrorism and terrorists. Um, but oh, this was, in Neve, this was in Neve Yaakov, which, for those who don't know, is one of the most religious neighborhoods inside Jerusalem. Um, yeah. And, by the way, like, this not just a demonstration the extent of control, like, this person waited for them to be walking. Now, right. the reason he political control over terrorism is because he could have potentially killed more people had he gone into the synagogue but why right but but again then that's that's even more criticized because that's done in a house of worship exactly so purposely waiting on their walk home so you're not attacking a house of worship but i'm just saying that just demonstrates that there's political control well it said that he then entered and attacked people in the synagogue did he oh yeah that's what it says and the news I saw, it said, oh, I did not know that. Okay. So it said leaving. The after entering and attacking the people, the shooter then started chasing after people who were trying to escape. Say that again? Yeah. Awful. Yeah, so, it's really politics. Um, I can wait for next week when uh, being murdered off from prayer services. Awful. Um, uh, it's hard to keep going on with other things, but, um, we will keep trying to go. Happy 98th birthday to Paul Newman, uh, who, uh, passed away a few years ago. One of the great actors. And actually my wife has a signed picture to her from Paul Newman because her grandparents, um, helped, um, make, uh, leather binding albums for him. So. My wife, next time you're in my house, my wife, Joe, will show you her signed picture from Paul Newman. That's awesome. I like Paul Newman. I mean, Pusher Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, he's, and he was in a ton of great things. Um, and he started Newman's own salad dressing. So anytime you can also then go from acting to salad dressing, how do you not? And it's good salad dressing. I mean, it's, you know, it actually is one of my preferred brands of salad dressing if I'm choosing to eat salad. Hmm. When you are forced to eat said salad. Um, well, the other is that his blue cheese dressing isn't kosher. So, you know, Paul Newman, if you can make that kosher, I'd be very appreciative. That would really be amazing from heaven if he could do that. Or wherever that he is in the afterlife. Well, so, that would be awesome. Um, that would be something. Um, maybe but the I'd people running Newman's own rather than him. More likely he'll make it happen from the afterlife than from this life, so. Well, anyway. Um, and apparently, uh, a new thing I was just reading is scientists actually built a tractor beam um, 
to literally, obviously, in a very, very, um, uh, like, small setting in a heavily controlled experiment. But they were able to build a finely attractive beam, science fiction becoming science reality um, as we uh, as we keep moving forward uh, and progress through time. So that is something very cool I saw. Um, no yet, no so, word yet on when it will be available publicly, um, because in the wrong hands that could be very dangerous. Um, but uh, a very cool thing that they literally were able to finally uh, get done. Well, I'm looking forward to photon torpedoes and warp speed coming up next. Warp speed would be amazing, uh, or light speed. But we have a long, long way to go before then. I was just reading actually an article on that last night. Because uh, this is what I do till one thirty in the morning. About how much how how much energy would be required to even come close to the speed of light and to light speed. So we got we got a long way to go. All right. Um, and then finally, um, this was not covered mostly in the national news, thank God, because it was so small. But there was a nineteen foot asteroid that was one of the closest objects ever that has come close to hitting Earth. Um, Armageddon, uh, hang on, we might have reality for you, but uh, the Earth's atmosphere would have literally, um, because it was so small, have taken care of it mostly, but still one of the closest times, and, and they only figured it out, this is the scary thing, maybe, I'm hoping because it was so small, like two or three days ago, or a week ago, um, so again, I'm hoping that is to do with, just because it was so small, but uh, the larger objects we would know, because um, uh Again, if you've seen any of these disaster movies, late 90s, um, we'll need some time in order to kind of make to, to, to send the nuke up in space and just detonate it within it. Um, apparently, Deep Impact, a lot closer to scientific reality than Armageddon was, not shockingly, um, uh, between those late 90s disaster movies. But um, the Earth dodged a small bullet, uh, literally, I think yesterday or Wednesday night. Very cool. Yeah, I, I was reading about that. It, it was uh, it was one of those things I feel sort of like. I think they tried to hype it, but there wasn't really much traction for it because I saw a little bit of news about it. But also, like to your point, there wasn't much time to talk about it since it was discovered so short ago. Exactly, and that concludes the weekly four for this week. A shorter, lighter end of week episode but it's our first one in back to back weeks in a very long time thank you all for listening please subscribe and we will hopefully be with you guys again next week have a peaceful week Mr. Mr. same to you Mr. Levenstein have a good one bye bye